Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we read A Shadow in the Ember by Jennifer L. Armatrap. And we're really excited. Like we've been reading a lot of new releases. I think the first four books have come out this fall or this year in general. Yeah, they've all been fresh off the print. <laughs> <laughs> the only book that wasn't taken out this fall was Talk Book Christian, which came out early this summer. So yeah, they're all really new. So me and Marissa are struggling getting discussion questions because they're just so new. But I'm excited that we're reading it right when everyone's reading it. Like it's all over Bookstagram and I kind of feel more included. I feel like when we record books that people have read a long time ago, they're they're going to listen, but it's like fresh in everyone's mind right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone wants to talk about it right now, especially a book like this that ends the way it does. I feel like you kind of want to talk about it. So yeah, I guess we will be spoiling this book. So if you have not read the book yet, don't listen yet finish it let us know what you think listen to it then because yeah no the ending she always does this with the endings it kills me I was like it was so funny because like when I finished the three from Blood and Ash books I was so mad that like the next book was this book I was like you're gonna leave it on this cliffhanger and then you're gonna like write a prequel like I don't want the prequel like I want to know what happens next and now that she has this prequel I'm like well I want the next book in the prequel like I don't want the next (laughs) book in Blood Blood and Ash it's like a vicious cycle Uh Um, but I'm pretty sure both books becoming out in 2022 um i was stalking my spoiler pages not my spoiler pages um like i'm part of these facebook groups to talk about the books um they are they do spoil so you have to read it before you join them and i was like looking back i knew i saw like the timeline of the book somewhere so i was like digging last night on facebook and there's this list where she kind of puts emojis over the other title names but book four is coming out for, up for Blood and Ash this March and then I will I don't know when the next one of this one coming up but it says 2022 and then there's like a third spinoff that's coming out the first book in 2022 so I think Jennifer's given us three books next year oh wow but don't quote me on this this is like literally an image I found in like the deep Facebook group of from Blood and Ash so <laughs> not a hundred percent factual but I, we all know for a fact there is a fourth from an Ash book coming out. And I feel like she's got to write us another book of this. I have hope that next fall we will be getting another one of the Flesh and Fire novel. Yeah, I feel like they usually try and get out the next book like a year later. So I would assume we'd have one next fall, but who knows? Let's hope. I need to know what happens next. I was Googling a flesh and fire novel, which is basically the name of book two uh-huh. of Fumba National. Like nothing was coming up of like when book two of this series is coming out. But yeah, she's like creating a whole, whole freaking world for this. And I honestly feel like I can't even explain what's going on in the world. Like I know what's going on, but like I don't really know what's going on. Also, like, do you just picture them living in the clouds? Uh, no. <laughs> I just picture, like, their gods are just, like, living in in the, the above. And I just picture them, like, living above the humans. Yeah. No, the I mortals. Liked, I liked this book a lot because it gave me context for, like, where the gods were. Because when I was reading from Blood and Ash and they talked about gods and stuff I was like okay so they're all just like up in Olympus you know up in the the sky Greek mythology and then this book he like rides a horse through a forest and they enter his realm or something I don't know 
but I, I, it gave me a little more context. Like, okay, they're not just guys up in the sky, whatever. So you did think they live in the sky? I'm in from blood and ash, yeah. No, I guess they live in a different realm. Okay, let's get into the characters. So we have Ash, who Ash. they did not explain why we call him Ash. He, well, when um, her stepbrother was like beating her in the throne room with the whip, he came in and said that he's called Ash because he's like the, the Asher of death or something. What did he say? I must miss this, but I think I read fast that section because I was like, I want her to be saved. I want her to stop being whipped. Maybe I yeah. missed that part. Um, I forget the exact quote. I'll try and find it, but you can keep talking about the characters if you want. So yeah, we have Ash, um, which is N- Nikos. How do you pronounce Niktos, it? Yeah. Nikos? I think Nikos. Um, I don't. Why does everyone call him Daddy Nikos? Daddy Nikos. <laughs> I don't know. Why do they call him that? Well, I think it's from Film Blood and Ash, but in the mugs that Jennifer's selling on like her her site, it says like it had Castile and Nikos, and it had like um, let me find them, but they had like uh like three things that they are, and they just said like Daddy under Nikos, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Daddy, okay, that's funny. <laughs> but it was funny because like it said like Hawk for Castile and stuff, but it doesn't say Ash, and I'm like, what the heck. Um, but I guess like she doesn't call him Ash anymore. Which makes me sad because I thought her calling him Ash was like uh, intimate because everyone else called him Nikdos or Daddy Nikdos <laughs> and uh, only she called him Ash. And I feel like she did that herself. Like, I don't think he ever said like, oh, don't call me Ash anymore. Like she was like, oh, he's mad at me. Like, I'm going to call him Nikos. I feel like it was like almost not like a stab at him, but like, I feel like she wanted him to be like, oh no, keep calling me Ash. And then he did it. And then she was like, well, shit, I have to call you Nikos now. Yeah. Um, so it says for Castile, like Hawk, the dark one, and then puts the cast in casserole. <laughs> <laughs> and then for Nikos, it says King of Gods, Primal of Death and Daddy daddy honestly that's really funny (laughs) i read from blood and ash like back in march and april when the third book of that series came out so i feel like i'm forgetting some things and i need to go back and like listen to it or reread it because there's definitely stuff that like was brought up and is relevant now more than ever after reading this prequel but i don't remember so they want to reread re-listen to before the fourth book comes out marissa has only read the first fun blood and ash book yeah which i read in september and it was easily one of my favorite books i've read this year like i I mean i've said from the start of season two that crescent city has been my favorite book we've done for the podcast but after i read from blood and ash i mean i think i still like crescent city better but i don't know from Blood and Ash were pretty good. Well, we technically didn't do it for the podcast. We've like indirectly have done it. So you could say Crescent City is your favorite podcast book. And then From Blood and Ash is your book book. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'll go with that. <laughs> but wow. Yeah. I So I read it right after Akatar, after I was like in my emotional feels of Akatar. And then I read From Blood and Ash. I feel like 
I went through both of them very quickly and I feel like I mixed my emotions for those. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the series a lot. What really threw me off is the whole Maiden thing. I feel like the Maiden in this book wasn't as bad. I just didn't like how Poppy was like, I don't know, like the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Whereas like this girl was just like, I mean, maybe we didn't get a, we didn't get a lot of her Maiden life. For, for Poppy, I feel like we had like a hundred pages of like her being veiled and like not being able to be seen and that just sounds so scary to me whereas this book we had like the first chapter where she's like been denied by him and then she like lived her life unveiled and I feel like that's why I like this book a little better because like the whole heart just being veiled and like not being able to like leave her room was like so claustrophobic for me I was like I can't even but I this book I really hate how loyal she is to her mother who is legit awful Yeah, I don't really understand why she's loyal to her mother because, I mean, you can't even call that a mother at that point. Like, yes, maybe she gave birth to her, but she definitely wasn't motherly to her. And just the fact that, like, she has these step-siblings who her mother, like, actively is so kind to and then her mother treats her like shit I'm like how do you how do you even like stand by and watch that like that would make me so mad I would just leave like after he rejected me I would have left I also think it's sketchy how both the mother's husbands tragically died randomly of like heart failure or something (laughs) I think Sarah's is it Sarah Sierra Sierra's dad Sarah I do too, but I feel like I also want to say Sierra. Um, okay. I feel like Sierra's dad like killed himself out of guilt. Because she was a girl? That and like the deal. Like I think he was just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I feel like he died in relation to the deal. I don't I don't know if it, like he did it himself or maybe it was like, maybe, maybe it happened like because of the deal or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like the brother killed the other dad. I did too. I I thought it was very, I thought when her brother, her stepbrother, I guess, came in and was telling her that the king had died of a heart ailment during the night, when literally the chapter before, or maybe two chapters before, she had been having a conversation with the king and he was totally fine. That seemed really fishy to me. Yeah, and, like, it was right after she made fun of the brother, being like, oh, like, you're never going to take the throne. And then he was kind of like, I just feel like he killed him. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm very glad he's going to rot in whatever the bad part is. I I forget what the bad part of the gods are. The abyss. Yes. No, I I did enjoy the part when Ash rescued her. The whole time that she kept on saying God, I, I knew it was just the primal because he never distinctly denied it, but he never called himself a God. He never, like, I don't know, like he, he, the way he would talk about gods was like, he would leave it off. So you, he could never be like, oh, I didn't say I was a God. And I, I just feel like he just knew, like it was just coming, right? Did you see it or did that, did, am I just always looking too far ahead? No, I definitely thought he was the primal of death or whatever, because the shadows, you know, gathering around him all the time. It would be weird if he had that much power and wasn't a primal. So plus enemies to lovers, you know, right at my wheelhouse. I knew it had to be that. Were they even enemies though? Well, they were enemies in the sense that literally from birth her destiny has been to kill him like she was trained you know brought up she has to kill him so in that sense you could say he was her enemy 
I also thought that notion was stupid. <laughs> I, I feel like that notion should have died when she found out that like his dad died. Like his dad made the deal, he died, and the deal still stood. So like yeah. you would think I don't know, that would hit you like, okay, this is stupid then because even if I kill him, I'm just gonna go to the next person and then I'm gonna have to marry them. Like I didn't understand <laughs> that. I feel like that was almost a loophole because that like wasn't explained because yeah, like I don't think death solves anything. That's a good point. I actually didn't think of that, but as far as a loophole goes, that makes sense because you're right. If she'd killed him, his power would have transferred to someone else and the deal would have transferred with that. Right? Yeah. So that was just, I thought it was dumb. I didn't understand how making him fall in love with her, like killed him. That was not clear to me. They can, I think it's just like the rules, like love is their only weakness. So if he falls in love with her, then what? Doesn't she still have to stab him or something? Yeah, like I think he's weakened because he loves and okay. then he gets stabbed. I mean, I the rationale is not there <laughs> because I always think like love conquers all, which is also a notion in this book, especially in the end, like the basically the prophecy is like love conquers all. Um, right. But you would think so, like if love conquers all, you would think love would make them stronger as a union. Mm-hmm. But apparently, like, I mean, maybe, like, he has to be in love with her and she has to be the one that kills him because, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that, that's the case either. Now I'm thinking about it. I was yeah. just told it. Because <laughs> in the first, like, 200 pages of the book, it was repeated 10 times. Okay, I have to make him fall in love with me to kill him. And I was just like, you know, that's fine. But couldn't you just kill him without making him fall in love with you? I thought the deal would be suffice if they just got married. Like, I didn't know. Like, the deal was they had to provide on consort and they would help. That's what happened. So, like, wouldn't her remaining married to him be fulfilling the deal? To be honest, I didn't even know what the deal was. Because by the end of the book, they said the rot hadn't even started till she was born. And the deal was made way before she was born so I thought in the first half of the book that the deal was oh there's this really bad rot going on and our kingdoms are suffering so we'll take a human consort and that will like end the rot I don't know I was confused about the whole thing actually well so the soil was going bad so then the mortal king made a deal with the gods saying fix my land and you can have my like first child my first daughter as your wife Okay. And he said, yes. Yeah. So he fixed the land. And then the minute she was born, the land started rotting and they mm. blamed it on her because she was like, since she had to be his consort. But we found out later that the rot is due to the fact that since like she, it was due to the fact that she was born, but it was because that the, like the ember of life came back into play and like the primal right. of death is ma- masquerading as the primal of life. And it was because of her birth, but it wasn't like her killing him was never going to solve anything. Right. I don't think, I don't know where they got the notion that it would like, like the, her, the deal was that she had to be his wife. Like you would think like when she got married, it would be fulfilled. And that was like it, like the deal was never going to, uh, yeah, I thought that was stupid. The whole, like, I'm going to kill him. I think they just needed like a, an enemies thing in there, but I didn't mm-hmm. think that was needed. I feel like, um, I feel like she could have had that part out. Now, like, they're just mad at each other for no reason. Not no reason, but, like, I feel like she added it in there so there was, like, rift between the two of them so they weren't, like, an instant love. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't fully make sense. 
Yeah, it definitely didn't fully make sense. And I definitely don't like how Niktos or Ash or whatever you want to call him is treating her at the end of the book. The Like his continuous jabs of, oh, well, you have no power over me. I'm never going to fall in love with you anyway is really hurtful and I actually kind of was getting mad at him because those are really mean things to say to someone I thought it was unnecessary and the amount of times he said it like literally mid kiss and he's like yeah this doesn't change anything I'm like Ash shut the fudge up like man I would do anything for his people too it was very known to that I thought that he would understand eventually so yeah no I thought he was kind of rude but I guess like I didn't want to forgive her too easily because like she was plotting his death for like 20 years um (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know if you remember when the dragon guy um Nectas their names are also similar I know. Um, Nectos was like, were you actually going to do it? And she didn't answer. And he's like, yeah, I didn't. I, I don't think he thinks that either. Like, I think deep down, Nectos knows that she was never going to do it. And so does Nectos. So mm-hmm. I think he's just being a little bitch boy. But <laughs> So not a daddy. His cup can say little bitch boy. <laughs> I do feel like they're a bit insta-love. You think but- so? I guess, like, I don't know, they met twice, and then she's spreading his legs for her in, like, the dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was completely comfortable with it, too. I guess it goes back. She thought it was, like, kind of a one-night stand. She's like, oh, like I'm, it's a god. He's a cute god. Why not? And she never thought he'd she'd see him again. And then she ended up as his consort, so. Although, you know, even worse than that, going back to their literal first meeting, they made out, Right. Wasn't that them? Yeah. yeah. And she like wrapped her legs around him and they made out hard. And then she bit his lip and that's what caused her culling. <laughs> if she goes through it, she's going to die. And like just like this one kiss. That was crazy to me. Yes. But I guess I'm annoyed that he just told me like there's one thing to just like be mad at her. Like just give her the silent treatment. Like just distance yourself. But he's like making out with her. He's mean to her. And he knows like how she kind of has issues like she has like basically no value for her own life I feel like he kind of like can tell that like she was treated really poorly by her family no one really loved her before he's just like putting salt in the wound like it's just she has traumas like you know that so I just feel like he probably could have just if he was really mad at her like just ignore her like like don't be near her yeah I think the line that really hurt me was after it all came out that she was going to kill him and basically it didn't matter anyway and it didn't even matter if she tried because she was like well I'm not even a a threat to you you know because you're a god and then he gave her this look and goes well you're not a threat to me anyway (laughs) as in like I wouldn't have fallen in love with you anyway that to me would have ruined me I would have been sitting in my room alone crying the fact that she could just go on and still be around him I mean, she's a much stronger person than I am. But I think deep down, she knows he's in love with her. Like, his actions don't match his words at all. Yeah, I agree. Even, like, everyone else sees it. Like, I think from the beginning, he was like, I'm not going to fall for her. Like, he's he said no to her to, like, give him his give her her freedom. I mean, I would have been crushed after he was like, I don't need you. Like, in the first <laughs> chapter. <laughs> I've been like, I've been training my whole entire life to literally be your person. 
Yes. <laughs> you don't want me? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> when it was like the last hundred pages and things were just going downhill fast, I was like, this is going to end bad. Like this book isn't going to end on a good note. No, I was glad he showed up at the very end of the book. I was glad he, you know, felt her terror. I want him to be more possessive of her in the next book. Because someone, you know, bit her neck. I want him to be like, this is mine. You will not ever touch again. He did. He did carve his heart out. But I want him to do it more. I want him to carve more hearts out. I I, I think I like Daddy Nikdos. <laughs> I feel like Castile is more possessive for sure. I, I agree. I The one thing I think I told you that I don't love about Nikdos is how inexperienced he is. <laughs> but he's not that inexperienced. She was his first time. Are we sure about that? When they were doing it, he literally said, I've never had this feeling before. And she said, like, I know I'm saying it for different reasons, but neither have I. And I thought it was pretty clear she was acknowledging that he was having this experience for the first time. I thought it was because they were sucking blood and having sex at the same time. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Because that's like he- a very intimate thing that like, and like, especially like if you are, you have a person you talk to, you only want to suck their blood. So I thought it was more of a sense like it's never felt like this intimate before. Maybe, but. He definitely didn't see, like, from the description of the pages, he did not seem like he did not, like, he he seemed like he knew what he was doing. He seemed like he knew what he was doing, that's for sure. If he was as inexperienced as I thought he was, that's the only thing I didn't love. I never, I didn't take that he was inexperienced at all. Like, that wasn't my takeaway. But I forget how From Blood and Ash ended. Was it on a cliffhanger? Yeah, it, well, it ends with um, Castile taking Poppy to his like homeland and they're all sitting around a table and he says that they're going to get married. And this is right after, you know, she stabbed him and tried to run away. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, we're getting married. (laughs) I do do enjoy that. They both kind of have like a thing for girls who stab them. I think it's (laughs) funny. I guess I didn't notice it was a cliffhanger because I had two books to read after that one because mm-hmm. I read them already. I didn't think she would do that to us because it's like book one. I think we talked about this before. Like you can't really leave book one on a cliffhanger. You got to leave like book two on the cliffhanger. You got to like wait till they're really hooked and then leave them hanging because we got mm-hmm. mad at Kay Tucker because her book ended on this like huge cliffhanger and we have no release date to the next one. And we're like, right. you can't do that to us. Like that, that's just against the rule. Like if you're not going to, if you don't have a book coming on the way, like you can't do that book one. But fortunately, we have more books coming from her. I I feel more promised for this, but... Well, I think JLA gets them out a lot faster. With this book, this book was so thick. And I feel like it did have a lot of fluff. But also, like, I feel like I don't know so much information. So when I was going back to try and find that scene of when Ash arrives to take her to his realm, I thought it was in like page 400. No, that happened around page like 290 or 390 or something or 350. It happens like 50% of the way through. But the first half of that book felt long to me, really long. And it really only picked up speed for me once she was already in his, uh, his realm. No, same for me. It was, um, I I don't know if I was just confused. And I didn't think I'd be that confused because we've already been in the From Blood and Ash book i have a hard time geographically figuring out where we are now with where flim blood and ashes takes place mm-hmm. um i think it might be my fault and just not remembering from blood and ash as well as i i hoped 
but yeah um i need to reread from blood nash to know where this like geographically all takes place and i i don't want to talk too much about it because i know you haven't read the other two yet yeah i mean i feel like there's not that much to talk about like it was a it was a 600 page book and there was like a lot of stuff that went on but we still don't have like ash's backstory like they hint to all this trauma with him that like Collis did all this stuff to him and like when did he become held prisoner by his uncle like when did that happen at what age and like also how the hell did Kala switch the primal's uh, ability like, i don't understand how that even happens i just want to know his timeline a little more because i'm just a little confused there i don't think jennifer knows how the primals switch their powers <laughs> honestly because when she explained it in the book it was like, oh yeah, Ann Collis did this. And Sarah was like, oh, well, how is that even possible? And the character's like, oh, we don't know. It just happened. (laughs) Which I just get the feeling that she doesn't quite know how it happened. So it's just like this fact we're supposed to skip over. (laughs) But yeah, I, I thought that was one of the most unrealistic parts of it because it doesn't seem like that would be possible to somehow switch your, because I mean, the way it's described, it's not just like your power. It's like, it's a balance in the universe. That was the most unrealistic part. It wasn't the whole blood drinking and gods and uh, ascending to gods or godlings. Like it wasn't any of that stuff. It was the the switching of the primals. It was the switching of the primals. weird if i found out that the rot wasn't my fault after all this time my mother making me feel like shit i would go down and curse her ass i yeah so that was actually something i wanted to talk about was how she was treated after ash turned her down the first time and then they like stopped giving her food and put her in this like empty bed chamber and just started treating her like total garbage like her literal family, her mother wouldn't even make eye contact with her and just called her a handmaiden. I mean, uh, it infuriates me that they let her stepbrother torment her and just, uh, yeah, and just treat her like garbage. And then she finds out none of it was her fault and she wouldn't have been able to kill him anyway. And even if she had, it wouldn't have solved anything. So the whole first 20 years of her life were just trash for no reason. <laughs> And then, like, the whole time, she just, like, expected death in, like, a very short time. Like, her life sounds so miserable. Yeah. I mean, no wonder she doesn't care if she dies, because from the time she was born, her parents were like, oh, yeah, by the way, when you do this, like, it's really great for us. But by the way, you're just going to die. So just plan on dying young. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I didn't get why her mother was so awful to her. It made me very mad as well. And the brother, yeah. When I was, I was just happy he died in the beginning. Like he wasn't an issue after all. Like he was done. <laughs> he was done. He was done. I was glad that Ash let her kill him. I really wish that he would just kill her mother. I don't think she deserved to live. I think Ash wants to kill her mother. And the stepsister. I mean, I know she like loves her, but like she didn't stand up for her once. <laughs> no. no. Uh, yeah, that's that's a little frustrating, too, is, like, we're supposed to believe, I think her name's Ezra. We're supposed to believe Ezra's, like, this really good person, and she's going to be a good queen, but she literally stood by while uh, Sarah was just abused and mistreated and held hostage and starved. <laughs> like, she could have at least brought her food or something. Yeah. Well, I hope Ezra's a good leader, then. I hope she's, 
I hope she's better than than how she treated Sarah. <laughs> I know, me too. And I did like this book. Like, I feel like I'm talking negative on the book. I liked it a lot, and I really did enjoy reading it. I just, I'm at the point in a series where, like, I just want more information, and I'm, like, not fulfilled yet. Yeah, I feel that way big time after coming off of From Blood and Ash because I didn't read the rest of that series. So so that was the first book in a fantasy series, got not a lot of information. Then I switched over to this one and I feel like this one just confused me more because like timeline wise, I guess we're before From Blood and Ash, but it almost feels like the same things are happening as far as, you know, being a maiden and these ascensions and chosens and whatever. And I just don't know what any of that means yet because I didn't finish the From Blood and Ash series. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like there's a lot left unsaid, even though we had a 650-page book. (laughs) It's a long book. It was good, though. I did really enjoy it. I wanted more uh, give and take in the relationship. So in the next book, I want more smut scenes where everyone's happy. Uh, so that's one thing I want. And I want Daddy Nikos to be even more possessive of her. She is his and no one's going to touch her. And he needs to fall in love with her. Through requirements only. Yeah, I don't even know what else I want. I'm like, I think I might like Poppy better. Yeah, I do like Poppy better. I, I also, I think we disagree on this one, but only slightly because I think I like Castile better. Only because... The reason I liked From Blood and Ash so much was because I felt like Poppy and Hawk, he's called Hawk in the first book, but Castile. Did I ruin the name for you? No, no, no. He's revealed as Prince Castile by the end of that book. Okay. Um, But Poppy and, and Castile made each other better. Like he challenged her and she challenged him. And throughout the book, you know, her beliefs changed and she started stepping into who she was going to become. And I just really liked how it wasn't just like, Oh, we're in love or, Oh, we're enemies. And now we're lovers. It was like, you really saw the relationship building. And with this one, it's kind of like you said, it was an insta love. And even though they're enemies to lovers, probably, uh, it just seems like, you know, from the start, they're destined to be together. Like 100% their end game don't like how he tells her how how like how she's feeling like I know he can read it but then he like questions it like Mm. he's like you don't feel fear and she's like no I was terrified (laughs) and then he goes no remember you don't get afraid she's like hell yes I won (laughs) yeah like that happened and then um whatever she was like feeling guilt or anything about like you can, I don't know. I don't know, you don't know how to make yourself feel something like you can like, express it differently on the surface, but I feel like it's really hard to like fake emotions within. Um, it was just so salty. Like you said earlier, it was almost salt in the wound at that point. Like you've already made her feel bad. Her whole life, she's felt bad. Then she feels bad because she can't fix the rot. And now you're making her feel bad by just like egging this on just like accept her apology or don't but don't add salt in the wounds like be a grown-up daddy meet those she briefly like drops these things where like she kind of talked about her childhood and like it was really shitty and then 
he has platoon to go that she was blamed for the rot. Like that has mm-hmm. to, like that has to be where his head's at. So like he knows that she's been like shit the whole life and uh, yeah, no, that made me mad. I was like, I mean, just yeah, forgive her or not, like make up your mind. Even like his servants, which I kind of heard all their names. One of them, like she was like, oh, you don't hate me. He's like, no, like I would like we've all done a lot worse things if we thought we had to. Like exactly. if we were understanding. If his people are understanding, why can't you be understanding? And it's like you said earlier, he would do anything for his people. I really, really expected him to eventually be like, you know what, Sarah, I gave you a hard time, but I would have done the same thing. Let's just stab each other in the chest, have sex and move on. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Be a grown up about it. Come on, just stab me. Yeah, no, we should write the book. Yes. So I get the book a 4.5. That's a good strong rating. Yeah, like it was a good book. I mean, it kept me intrigued for 600 plus pages. I just, I think it's hard to judge a series when all the books aren't out yet. It's actually a fantasy series. Like we we did Go Girl Got a Murder and it was a little easier to do that because it was just like kind of separate books, but they all tied together. Whereas this book, we don't like, we probably like what we read the next two books is going to change our thoughts completely on what happened in this first book. So it's like hard to make judgment almost, but I gave it a 4.5. I liked it. it. Kept me intrigued. The smut was, um, was, was pretty good. I like how she writes women. They're like feisty. They all have like fire in their veins. They don't listen to rules. So I do appreciate her take on girls. Yeah. They're very feisty. I, I don't want to give this a 4.5. Cause like you said, we, have to wait to see what's coming. So I'll give it a four. My big downside with this book is the grammar and the writing structure. Cause you know, I, I, I'm really into writing. She doesn't write super cleanly. And there's a lot of things that I think some good editing could clean up. So I don't know who edits her books, but I, that's the only, that's the only big downside, but I agree. I like the feisty characters I like the smut. I like the story. I mean, like you said, it's a 600, almost 650 page book. And there were nights where I stayed up till, you know, 2 a.m. And it was really hard to put down. So, I mean, it's a really good story. I'll give it a four. We'll see if that goes up or down after the next book. But yeah, I I want more. I need more. Is it a lot of words? Yeah. So like her grammar structure is not super clean. Like, you know, I mean... I always compare things to Sarah J. Mass, but even, even for example, the author I interviewed, Hannah Parker, her, her structure was very clean. Everything was neat and organized and like made sense. Her structure is a lot more disorganized. Her sentences don't flow super well. She's also very repetitive and she'll say one thing and, and a paragraph down, she will literally repeat it. It's almost like she copies and pastes it accidentally sometimes. Um, and then, yeah, misspellings on words. It, obviously, I'm a big grammar Nazi, so I don't like those things. They really stand out to me. But I I think her work could be really enhanced and cleaned up with some some strong editors, actually, and would make her an even better writer. I think she writes in the chaos format that she does to almost embody the main character, though. Mm-hmm. Because she writes these girls who are just, like, very chaotic. That's true. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. Like I can see that. Um, I, and if that's what she wants to do, obviously it works. I mean, I read the whole book and I want to read another. 
Yeah, the spelling. I mean, yeah, you got you want to fix that, but that's actually been the case for the the three series I've read of hers. Every every female has like the same kind of traits where they're kind of just they don't like the rules and they're reckless and they're just chaotic. And I feel like she definitely like probably channels herself in this. Um, mm-hmm. And I do feel like that reflects in her writing style. And I feel like that's probably why the way we're kind of confused right now, like the the main characters know what's going on and we don't even know what's going on. Yeah, I mean. I feel like Sarah's characters aren't as chaotic as these. Like, yeah, Bryce was wild, but Bryce, like, still owned her shit. And Feyre, Feyre's, um, she's not boring, but she's not wild in any means. I think Sarah really writes clever girls, and yes. Jennifer just writes, you know, like you said, kind of wild, um, what's the word? Uh, rebellion. Like you said, they're super fiery and... Um, but they're not quite as clever. They just, they're kind of rash. They just, you know, do things based on their emotions. And I think Sarah's, Sarah's females are are very clever. And even if they can, even if they are rash, there's usually a good reason behind it. Yeah. I remember with Bryce, whenever she got her nails done and like Hunt was pissed, we're like, we knew that she had a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, even with like, uh, you haven't read that much during glass, but Aylin, they called her like a, fire breathing bitch or something like that like she was a wild child like she did whatever she wanted but she like had things so planned out she was impulsive but she had a reason to be impulsive or i just don't think these girls have a reason to like <laughs> she she doesn't even like have the will to live and she's just like so reckless with her life and i feel like poppy kind of is the same way like she doesn't listen to any rules like mm-hmm. she's a maiden and she's like on the on the wall like shooting arrows yeah it's just different writing styles and different people I yeah I mean like the spelling you can't like there's like a only one way to spell things <laughs> yeah I wish I could find that one I should have been marking them but I I wasn't marking up this book as we went because oh, I was just rushing to get through it yeah I told Marissa she like, had to finish it today thanks for listening I hope we had a great day I hope you enjoy this book as much as we did and we look forward to hearing from you thanks this is Kayla and Marissa And make sure to follow us at Book Talks Podcast on Instagram and TikTok.